Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on Parashat Kedoshim. For the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem, please visit us at elmod.pardes.org. And now, here is Rabbi Alex Israel. This week we read Parashat Kedoshim. And sometimes when we open Parashat Kedoshim, we feel almost like a, a child in a toy store. We are looking at such a range of mitzvot, we don't even know which to turn to first. We start off with, for example, the mitzvah of Shabbat, and then the mitzvah of honoring parents. We then move on later out into the fields where we want to leave the corner of our field or the gleanings for the poor. We move on to the prohibition against um, robbery and lying. We move on to the prohibition against uh, leaving a stumbling block in front of the blind. We come across the uh, injunction not to take revenge, not to talk Lashon Hara, to go tail-bearing, to love our neighbor as ourself. We move on to the prohibition of mixing different kinds, whether it's in our clothing or whether it's um, mixing species amongst animals or the vegetable kingdom. We have prohibitions against necromancy and black magic, um, laws to do with how we cut our hair, just such a, a, a dramatic range of different laws which encompass so many different areas of halakha and Jewish life. It is just a, a real treat. We have the laws about how to treat uh, the elderly with care, uh, how to not oppress people who are aliens within our society, foreigners, j- just so much here. It is a, a very, very exciting experience to read through Parashat Kedoshim. In our few minutes together this week, we are going to address uh, the broad question of the name of the Parsha. Um, this Parsha is called Kedoshim, meaning uh, holy or sanctified, and it comes from the opening uh, lines here, uh, which read, by Daber Hashem al Mosheli Mor, Daber al Koladat b'nei Yisrael va'amarta lehem Kedoshim tiyu ki Kadosh ani Hashem elokechem. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the whole community of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I understand that God is holy, although I have to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what exactly that means. What does that word holy mean? But it gets more complicated when God says, you should be holy because I am holy. What exactly does God want of us? What is God instructing us to do? And here we have a huge challenge. I'm going to present three different approaches to the question of holiness and what it means. And we'll see what we can do uh, with these three different approaches. The first is going to be the approach of Rashi um, in his opening comments to the Parsha, where Rashi says, Kedoshim to you, Separate yourselves from forbidden sexual relationships and from sinning. 
שכל מקום שאתה מוצא גדר ערווה, wherever you find a fence before sexual transgression, you also find holiness. And he brings various proofs for this. This is fascinating. I want to unpack Rashi in two stages. The first thing that Rashi does is, is to say that holiness is actually a sense of being separate. Separation is holiness. Holiness is separation. His second stage is to say that this is particularly related to the question of sexual transgressions. So let's examine both of these uh, assumptions one by one. First, the idea of something holy being something separate. I guess we get this from this maybe a, a very natural idea that uh, things which are holy are, are separated and one has to separate in order to achieve holiness. For example, we make Kiddush on a Friday night. We're separating the day. We have an opening ceremony for Shabbat and a closing ceremony of Shabbat. Our Kiddush sanctifies the day and makes it separate from the rest of the week. And in fact, our closing ceremony for Shabbat is called Havdalah, separation. So, or for example, when we have a holy space, a holy space will be, for example, the Beit Knesset, um, maybe our synagogues or even the Temple Mount, was a place which frequently needed consecration, an act which made it into a holy space. And it involves uh, certain modes of behavior. Uh, one is not meant to eat or drink in a synagogue. One is not meant to go into the Temple Mount uh, wearing one's money belt or shoes. So this is a separate place which is separated, I might say dedicated to God, um, cordoned off. Frequently there are barriers or, 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 or gates which will delineate this particular place. Um, a different mode of conduct is demanded in Shabbat, in Yom Tov, as during the regular uh, weekday. And therefore we have this sense that something which is holy is something which is sectioned aside for an elevated process. So Rashi starts by saying, how do I become holy? I separate myself. But what do I separate myself from? And he says, sexual transgressions. That's where I go in order to make myself holy. Where is Rashi getting this from? I have a feeling that Rashi is getting it from the previous chapter, because the previous chapter lists a whole series of sexual offenses, uh, laws of incest and what have you, bestiality and others, uh, which halacha prohibits. That list ends with the phrase, Alt tamu lachem b'chol ele, do not defile yourself in any of those ways. And in fact, chapter 18 concludes with the phrase, Velot tamu bahem, do not defile yourself with them, Ani Hashem Elokechem, I am Hashem your God. Interestingly, the next chapter, Be holy because I am the Lord your God. So we might equate the defilement of sexual um, impropriety with uh, becoming defiled and holiness with abstention from those um, acts. Likewise, at the end of Parashat Kadoshim, in chapter 20, 
this entire list of sexual offences returns. But, and if you want a reference, we'll take a look at chapter 20, Verse 7, At the start of that list, we have, You shall sanctify yourselves and be holy, for I, the Lord, am your God. And then, again, the list of the sexual uh, prohibitions. So, Rashi is drawing the conclusion that holiness is a withdrawal from inappropriate sexual um, acts, and this might even have a reflection in something that we know very well, which is that marriage uh, within the Jewish context is called Kiddushin. Mesechet Kiddushin, the tractate of Kiddushin is all about marriage. And we see that uh, we even talk about sacred matrimony. The idea of marriage is a certain element of Kiddusha. And this is, of course, the idea that we are restricting ourselves to one particular individual um, and limiting all forbidden relationships outside. So much for Rashi. Um, the Ramban, Nachmanides, um, takes issue with Rashi. And he feels that Rashi is being too narrow in his definition of sanctity. He doesn't feel that sanctity should be uh, limited to um, the sexual realm. He says, and I hear I'm quoting from the translation of the Ramban. He says, in the Sifra, which is Rashi's source, he says, I only saw, you shall be holy, um, you should be separate. Just like I am holy, you should be holy. Just like I'm separate, you should be separate. In my opinion, he says, the separation is not to separate only from sexual transgressions, like the words of Rashi, but rather the separation is the one mentioned in every place in the Talmud, when its practitioners are called purushim, those who have separated themselves. The Ramban continues and says the following. He says, The Torah has prohibited sexual transgressions and forbidden foods, and it's permitted sexual relations between husband and wife, and the eating of meat and the drinking of wine. If so, a person who is full of desire will find a place to be lecherous with his wife, or many wives, and to be among the guzzlers of wine and the gluttons of meat. He can speak as he pleases, with, with all sorts of vulgarities, the prohibition of which the Torah doesn't legislate. And then he would be a brute with the permission of Torah. End of quote. Uh, he would be a naval birshut torah that's the Hebrew. In other words, the Ramban is saying that there are lots of lacunae, there are lots of uh, gaps in the Torah, where the Torah doesn't particularly legislate about what is a more sophisticated living, a higher level of living, a refined mode of, of, of um, conducting oneself. And uh, the Ramban is, think, feels that Kudusha is being in a state where one is elevated to a higher state of being. This seems to um, occupy the mind of the Ramban in another place as well, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 18, in the, um, where the Torah says, You shall do the good and correct thing. And 
what is the good and correct thing? What's interesting there in the verse is that God has already said, observe the commandments of God and all his ordinances and statutes and do the good and right thing. So what is the good and right thing? And the Ramban there says, it is, and again, I open quotation marks, for it is impossible for the Torah to mention all of a person's actions towards his neighbors and acquaintances, all his commercial activity, all of his social and political institutions. So after the Torah mentions many laws, for example, don't go around as a talebearer, don't take vengeance, don't bear a grudge, don't stand idly by the blood of your fellow, do not curse the deaf, you should rise before the elderly. By the way, all those quotes are from our Parsha, from Parsha Kodoshim. The Torah returns and says generally that one should do the good and the right in all matters, to the point that these are included, that included in this is the notion of lifnim mishurat hagitin, going beyond the letter of the law, or what my teacher, Ravaran Lichtenstein, called an ethic independent of halacha. What the Ramban is saying is, is simple. The Torah legislates many areas of law, uh, laws for holy times, laws of social justice, laws which relate to sexuality, laws which relate to food. But one can keep all of those different things and still be a degenerate person. A person would still be a disgusting individual because they're living according to the letter of the law. And we can sometimes find situations in which there are legal loopholes which allow people to engage in unethical and um, disreputable behavior um, without breaking even a single law of the Torah. But in fact, they are breaking a law of the Torah. What law are they breaking? The law which says, you shall be holy. You shall be holy for the Ramban means, you shall be refined, you shall be moral. For uh, the Ramban where he says, you shall do the right and just thing, again, you have to conduct yourself ethically. And where there is no law, you have to create a law. You have to um, act in the, in the most upstanding way in all situations, refined in your personal conduct and ethical in your actions. And in that way, you will be fulfilling the law of Kedoshim to you, a level of refinement. So far from restricting this just to the sexual realm, even though this does also relate to the sexual realm for the Ramban, this is sort of an umbrella law, which says, I'm going to tell you a stunning array of different laws. However, you have to realize that wherever you do not find a specific piece of legislation, make sure that you are kadosh. You are holy. Holy means being upstanding, ethical, and upright. On a personal note, I have to say that this uh, particular comment of the Ramban has really affected uh, my life and my behavior in many different ways. No, even I, I remember studying it uh, even before I went to university. And uh, the notion of, for example, of uh, drunkenness, which is so frequent on university campuses and uh, later in life, um, the notion of maybe indulgence in all sorts of things of a material nature, it makes one think, 
that the Torahs may be asking us to be kadosh in order to make sure that we have correct priorities in our life. And it is a high demand indeed, the notion of being holy. But I love the idea that the Ramban is essentially leaving this to each and every person's conscience to try and see if they can carve out that holiness within their own lives, stand uh, in a more reputable place and establish for themselves correct priorities. However, I would like to go into a third area uh, or a third definition of Kedusha within the context of this uh, Parashat Kedoshim. I have already sort of hinted at the fact that there is a certain symmetry to Parashat Kedoshim, a what we would call in academic biblical studies a chiastic structure, um, an inclusio, uh, whereby if you take the span of the narrative or the, the legal text from Leviticus chapter 18, from Vayikra Perak Yudchet to Perak Chaf to chapter 20, it is structured in a very symmetrical way. Um, at the extremities, we have the instruction that we should not follow the cultural norms, neither of Egypt or of Canaan, that we should have a distinct morality. We then, at the beginning of chapter 18, and also in chapter 20, list out all the sexual uh, degenerate actions, which leads us to a conclusion, by the way, that uh, there was something about the Canaanite culture and possibly also about the Egyptian culture, which was particular, particularly degenerate in the sexual sphere. And then, if you want a layer in, in a more symmetrical way, both at the beginning of chapter 19 and, as I mentioned in chapter 20, verse 7, there is the injunction to be holy. But what is in the middle? What are the laws contained within the middle? I gave an overview in my opening remarks to this podcast, but if I read through, you will find something very familiar. Chapter 19, verse 3, Ish imo um, Each person should um, fear or revere their father and mother. They should keep, they should keep Shabbat. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to other gods. Altifnu elilim. ani Hashem And do not make molten images. I am the Lord your God. Is this sounding familiar to you? Is it sounding to me? I am the Lord your God. The law of honoring parents. Shabbat. Molten images. This sounds remarkably like. Um, like the Ten Commandments. When we get to verse 12, Don't swear falsely in my name. Sounds very much like the Ten Commandments. And we will also have laws about um, laws of the courtroom and other things uh, here. It almost seems like a repetition of the Ten Commandments. However, not only the Ten Commandments. And here... I would like to make a general comment about Parashat Kedoshim, again echoing my opening remarks. Parashat Kedoshim takes us, you know what, let me stop and say what Parashat Kedoshim is not. Many people see sanctity, as Rashi did, withdrawal. Sanctity means uh, being an ascetic. 
It mean, or ascetic. It means withdrawing from society, going out into the wilderness like the Essenes did who lev- lived next to the Dead Sea, withdrawing from society. Um, as the Ramban mentioned, Prushim, the people who were the Pharisees who were withdrawn, who withdrew from life. However, I would argue that one of the beautiful things about Parashat Kedoshim is that it establishes Kedushah holiness in every single walk of life. In the sphere of the family, in the sphere of what we eat, in the fields, as we mentioned, you have to lead the gleanings of your field for the poor. In the field of commerce, where it talks about how we are meant to be honest in our business dealings and not uh, put a stumbling block in front of the blind, which means not to mislead people and not to misrepresent. You're not allowed to steal. You're not allowed to um, to oppress your neighbor. In other words, you're not allowed to overcharge people. You're not allowed to leave the worker's salary overnight. You have to pay him on the correct day. You're not allowed to take vengeance against your neighbor. In all sorts of areas, uh, we find ourselves, whether we're in the boardroom or the bedroom, in the field or in the field of um, payments and employment. And so many different areas are covered in this parsha. And this leads me to a very interesting conclusion, which, um, if you want to read it in more detail, I would open the book Halachic Man by Rabbi Soloveitchik. And Rabbi Soloveitchik says that frequently people look for holiness in the afterlife. They look for holiness in withdrawal from this world. But in fact, true holiness is refining every aspect of our engagement with this world. And how do we do that? The Ramban was looking for a refinement beyond the letter of the law. But we might argue that true holiness is actually contained between chapter 19, verse 1, which says you shall be holy, and chapter 20, verse 7, which repeats you shall be holy. How are you holy? Exactly by keeping the halacha. Holiness is a code which enables us to refine our lives in every single aspect. And that is why we have all four different volumes of the Shulchan Aruch, which deals with different areas of our lives, from the ritual to the marital, to the area of human commerce, to all the different areas that we have to of, of life. That's why when the Rambam wrote his code, he even expanded it beyond um the confines of that and included the areas of national governance and what have you into the areas of his code of Jewish law, the Yad HaChazakah, the Mishneh Torah. And in this regard, we will be saying something quite uh, profound, which is holiness is not withdrawal. Holiness is engagement. Now this says something about Parsh, about the whole book of Leviticus in general. If you ask people about the book of Vayikra, the book of Leviticus, most people look at the book of uh, Leviticus as a book which just talks about sacrifice in the temple. But that is only true about the first half of the book. It's certainly true from chapter 1 till about chapter 16 or 17. But in fact, when we get to the second half of the book, 
and we've just sort of transitioned to the second half, we're going to start talking about holiness in a very different realm. Not holiness in the sectioned zone of the temple, in the confines of the sanctuary, but the holiness that we can create within society. And therefore, for example, next week in Parashat Emor, we will talk about holy times, how to make our time holy, where, as the Torah says, Bechol Moshvotechem, in all of your abodes, wherever you live. And in Parshat Bahar, we will talk about the land being holy, by letting the land rest in the seventh year, and by establishing um, social help for those people who have fallen on hard times and need to be assisted in uh, through tzedakah and through other means. So we're going to talk about, if you want, Parshat Kadoshim, the idea of creating sanctity in our behavior, in every walk of life, the notion of being able to sanctify times wherever we live, and the notion of uh, the holy land, but really the implication of that for the dealings of human beings in the economic realm. And this is a whole different aspect of holiness. As opposed to Rashi, who said that holiness was withdrawal, here holiness is engagement, but a certain refined activity. Not a refined activity beyond halacha, but a refined activity as transcribed by halacha. Halacha teaches us how to raise our game and how to take the ordinary, our ordinary living, and really make every single walk of life into a practice of holiness. Uh, my only prayer is that we be worthy of this we be worthy of finding ways in order to raise our lives and to make our lives more holy in every single moment and in every single way in which we live and that indeed we shall be kadoshim to you we shall be holy and be worthy of the status of god's people thank you again for downloading this podcast a production of pardes north america if you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify to receive the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem or by visiting elmod.pardes.org. Tune in next week as Rabbi Tzvi Hirschfeld and Aviva Lauer discuss together Parashat Emor and Yom Ha'atzmaut. Thanks for listening.